Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'm delighted to have Lawrence Levinson join me. Lawrence, first of all, congratulations on becoming the new Toronto Chair of the Customer Experience Professionals Association, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Christian. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, let's get things started. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? All right. Well, um, I've spent the last 20 years in large multinational billion-dollar companies leading growth initiatives in sales, business development, customer experience, marketing and loyalty, um, in banking, consumer packaged goods, and TIC, or testing, inspection, and certification. Uh, Weeks ago, I took the plunge into entrepreneurship, and I'm working now mostly with clients in the SaaS space. And I'm super excited about a product we just launched from Pulse.app, which provides beautifully visualized data and drives decision-making for customer and persona development really to a level that's unparalleled in the industry. It's what I've been searching for for too many years. I mean, we've talked about it before. And throughout my career, I've seen and admittedly been a part of strategic direction setting based on gut feel assumptions and subjective influences that more often than not fell flat. And now I'm a strong proponent of really leveraging data sets to steer the course, both internally and externally, for customers and employees alike. Wow, that is quite the list. And uh, I'm also glad to hear that you've taken the uh, leap of faith into entrepreneurship. Thank you, thank you. All right. Well, Lawrence, let's uh, let's take a short stroll down memory lane here, if, um, if you'll permit me. Um, and simply uh, by asking, what would you consider your most uh, memorable work experience that you would say has had a significant impact on your career? Good question. Um, Going way back, my very first career boss when I was at Mars, Inc. was a woman by the name of Hillary Watson. And after a a month of drinking from a fire hose in that new industry for me, um, setting up policies and processes for a new customer service department in a contact center environment, Hillary called me to see how things were going. Um, I was stressed and overwhelmed with so many moving parts and not enough time to piece them all together before we launched. Uh, We barely knew each other at the time, and what she said to me next stuck with me forever. Was, Lawrence, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing. As your direct manager, I see myself as and feel my job is really to make sure that you have everything you need, the right tools, the right environment, to succeed and remove any obstacles that are preventing you from accomplishing your goals. Do you have everything you need? Is there anything anything that I could help you with? Now, this may not sound so radical to everyone in 2020 with countless books and podcasts and workshop seminars and servant leadership all around us and flooding our feeds. But in 2003, I had never imagined a relationship like this with a boss and certainly had never had the privilege of working in one and forever looked at inspiring teams in a new light. 
as a result of that conversation. That certainly is an inspiring story. And it, um, uh, to your point, it's, it's, it's extremely important to, you know, to, uh, have somebody that helps, uh, that helps you, uh, supports you and uh, mentors you through your, through your career, especially at, at that stage. And, uh, you know, um, to your point, um, that's a given in 2020, but back then, um, you know, that, that was, um, that was something I wouldn't say it was unheard of, but it was, um, it was very rare. Exactly. And certainly, certainly something I'd never seen or heard before at the time. Right. So, which leads me to my next question. And it's basically about why or how important do you think, um, it is to have mentors around you, you know, as you're starting out or you're in your career, or in fact, uh, continuously uh, developing and building up your career? Having mentors in your life is not just a nice to have, but an absolute necessity for anyone looking to grow and develop their careers and in life. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, and it really takes a true mentor to help bring awareness to the areas that we need to work on. Um, I'm a big sports fan. And R.A. Dickey, an amazing knuckleballer, formerly of the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Mets, really nails this point in his book, Throwing Strikes. If you haven't read it, pick it up. It's a phenomenal read. Um, He says something in there along the lines of, so many of us practice what we are good at because it makes us feel good. But champions have self-awareness. They identify what they need to improve upon and diligently pursue turning weaknesses into strengths. So to that point, if you don't have a mentor, seek one out. You'll be amazed at how giving people are with their time when they know you're serious about the process. And that's the key. You need to respect it and honor it and work with mentors that will challenge you to look at the darkest sides of yourself and your own behavior and your own habits and develop those into strengths. Excellent. And I think... uh to uh to what you said earlier about like uh turning weaknesses into strengths i mean that's just uh, such a crucial component in that overall picture of you know like as you as you progress in your career right okay this is not easy work yeah no not at all not at all it's um it's it, it's quite the steep climb up the mountain if i may use that expression absolutely yeah so lawrence you're a um you know you're a certified customer experience professional and you've been that for many years and you've, you're also an active member of uh you know the customer experience professionals association or cxpa here in toronto now uh for the benefit of our listeners who are not familiar with this terminology um why don't you just walk us through what cx is and how that differs from other disciplines uh, such as marketing for example another great question um cxpa is a value-driven nonprofit organization that in my own view, drives connectedness through diversity and thought, authenticity, and championing best practices for the sake of the entire industry. And to your point and question, the industry doesn't simply refer to pure customer experience or pure data science, pure marketing, sales, or strategy. Uh, What I love so much about CXPA is that membership comes from all walks of life sectors, industries, countries, cultures. Um, It really lives those values by bringing so many perspectives together with a common vision of making each other better. At the the most fundamental level, that's what we're doing. 
We're helping each other be better for ourselves, for our customers, for our employees, and for the communities we all sit in and serve. And I can't think of a better vision than that. Excellent. And, you know, to your point about, like, uh, members coming from all walks of life, I think it would, would it then be fair to say that, um, you know, CX is a, uh, a quite a versatile um, discipline because it needs to be, because it needs to be applicable across different um, industry segments, across different uh, functions and so forth. A hundred percent. Right. And we will get deeper into that. Yeah, we, we will for sure. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's um, expand on uh, CX here a little bit, Lawrence. So, um, you know, in your professional opinion, why do you think CX is such an important part of an organization, regardless of the size or the industry? Because CX focuses decision makers on what truly matters to their customers and their employees. It takes a human-centered approach to problem solving. And in doing so, it fosters a culture of truly innovative, continuous improvement, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the engine that keeps CX going. What worked yesterday, as COVID has clearly shown us all, won't get us through or even allow us to continue thriving tomorrow. The bar needs to continually be raised in the quality of the products and services that we, that, that we offer. And well-established CX programs provide that proper data input to show what that bar looks like. Right, exactly. And um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the topic of uh, COVID, but we're, we're going to go back to that in a second. Um, but maybe we can talk a little bit more about like, um, you know, uh, some examples, for instance, of, you know, how you've successfully implemented or used CX in your own line of work. I'll put it this way. CX has been the catalyst um, pretty much to my work and inspiration throughout my entire career. Mm -hmm. uh, the Walt Disney adage of, you know, do what you do so well that they want to come back again and again and bring all their friends is the philosophy that I've always approached all of my initiatives with, whether it was sales, business development, marketing, any of the programs I've worked on. Um, that said, and I think what you want to get to here is a little more of a formalized context. So yeah. I've been amazed at how powerful in-person workshops have been at literally transforming culture. And it takes time and it's slow and you need to be patient. But the, the ability to do that is phenomenal. Um, and whether in customer journey mapping sessions or you know, simply turning on the CX lens across an organization, uh, it's a very powerful process. I've also been totally amazed at how effective close-the-loop programs can be, listening posts, and mystery shopping audits. Hmm. When you know, combined with the right data sets, all of these tools and programs provide your organization with the information you need to make the changes that will matter most to your customers, to your employees, and ultimately to your stakeholders. Absolutely, Lawrence. And unfortunately, um, you know, um, in-person strategy sessions under the current cir circumstances are not really possible. But you know, we've um, we've uh, we've adapted, and uh, you know, we're switching to uh, having them virtually. Um, Zooms, uh, I think what one of the platforms, the top platforms that comes to mind, and we just have to find ways to do brainstorming sessions, um, uh, you know, in a, in a digital way. Put it this way, what I thought not to be possible or couldn't see, uh, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel on three, four months ago on how we would facilitate things like journey mapping virtually, um, you know, fast forward to today, 
we've now done successfully. We've grown engagement. We have great next steps and actions that have come out of them. So uh, absolutely, it's possible. Yeah, indeed. So how do you think, you know, given what you just said about um, CX, um, how do you think that like uh, B2B marketers and uh, digital entrepreneurs can use and apply um, these uh, CX principles to improve the uh, overall performance of their businesses? A hundred percent. Whether we want to admit it or not, human behavior still drives business and by consequence, performance. So CX principles apply equally well in the B2B context as they would in B2C. That said, B2B models, especially in service industries, um, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, can be more complex in nature, as in B2B environments, decision makers have both their organizational objectives in mind, as well as their own agendas and their own goals and their own desires. And, you know, in these environments as well, metrics like, you know, customer lifetime value and churn rates and all of these things that, that you know, are fundamental pieces of these programs become harder to isolate in service environments where recurring subscription models or, you know, contract exclusivity models often don't apply. Um, but at the end of the day, consciously or, on, or probably more often unconsciously, emotions still drive everything we all do. And whether it's rational or, again, often irrational, these factors apply equally well in a B2B environment, right? The principle of authenticity yeah. that I talked about before, the CXPA value, uh, applies really strongly here because most businesses will stick with a supplier through thick and thin as long as they truly feel, and that's what I mean when I say feel, this is where the emotions come in, that you are invested in their success and will be there whenever they need it. That's absolutely right. And I mean, you know, to a point um, that was raised in a virtual event, um, you know, that I attended yesterday, um, a lot of companies, now whether they find themselves in the B2B or B2C space, are going through different stages, as is the rest of the world. And basically, the stages are react, uh, pivot, survive, and thrive, right? Exactly. So it's almost like you're treating it uh, sim- similar to an organism where it's going through, a, you know, where the organization or the business is going through a certain life cycle. And I think it's the responsibility of not just CX practitioners, but people who are business owners who are who have pivotal roles or, you know, fundamental uh, Im- important roles in the organization to ensure that the businesses go through each stage, um, m- maybe not seamlessly, but that they are they're doing their best to continuously improve through these um, unprecedented times. Yes. And, and to the earlier point, systematically and, again, with more patience than you realize you would ever need. Yes, indeed. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. Which leads me to my next question. Um, because, you know, a crucial part of implementing a successful CX strategy includes, um, you know, uh, 
initiating um, audits or getting organizations to audit themselves. And what I mean by that is basically they conduct an analysis of what they're currently doing that's working and successful and reviewing areas that require, require improvement. Um, but then they also continuously find ways to become better. And I mean, now more than ever, I think that these steps seem to be highly relevant and uh, also very necessary. Um, but, you know, we all know that that's easier said than done. And it, it clearly calls for organizations to have, um, you know, difficult conversations. So just from your own experience, you know, how, how have you dealt with that in the past? And, um, you know, how have you helped to uh, facilitate these conversations? Because they're definitely not easy. Yeah, so I, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier when I, I mentioned uh, mystery shopping audits, mm. as in, in my opinion, one of the most powerful tools that people often forget about in their CX toolkit, um, because it allows you and your teams and your organization to, to truly see, and again, I'll say feel, you know, this emotional component is so important, what right. a customer does when they walk into your business, when they engage with you on the phone or via your live chat, or open a package that was mailed to them, right? You can, you know, look at closed loop VOC programs and data from listening posts. And yes, that absolutely will give you inputs to validate against. But where the rubber really hits the road is once you've seen it with your own eyes and you've felt it with your own emotions, when, you know, you unbox an experience that was produced by your organization and can and go through, you know, all five of your senses are in that moment in the shoes of a customer in a way that you'll just never get in a boardroom if you don't go through that process. That's excellent. Um, you know, for, it, it seems like what you're also um, implying is, um, you know, that a, a part of, uh, you know, a, an, an essential component of having these uh, conversations in order to initiate this, uh, this improvement is also a reliance on, um, on data from the market um, and, and especially data that was, you know, uh, that, that's pertaining to particular insights um, that are, you know, drawn from, uh, you know, customers. Am I right, right. to say that? A absolutely. And as a former sales professional, so now, you know, narrowing the lens to sales, business development, mm -hmm. you know, so often, and, you know, this is, this is, this is the underbelly of the world of business development. Um, you know, you're in front of customers, you have feedback on where your organization needs to be better. You bring it back to bring it back to the organization, and this is when the messenger gets shot, right? Yes. Operations groups don't want to hear it. It turns into politics between sales and operation or sales and service or service and sales versus operations. And all of these type of uh, divisions come up as opposed to, you know, in in these programs, you end up with here's data directly from the customer telling us X, Y, or Z, showing us exactly where we're failing them, and from there, exactly what we need to do to regain their trust. It removes the politics and it just gives you objective, pure data. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and and that's that's really what it is at the end of the day. I mean, like you know, you you go to the market, you um, you you conduct the research, you conduct the analysis, you extract those insights and then you go you go back to the um to the organization and say okay well this is what the market's told us right, right. so you you try to you try to keep it from becoming uh you know you look at it from a more uh subjective perspective as opposed to like you know uh turning it into something political which of course we all you know we, we all go to great lengths to hopefully prevent yep again human behavior right 
Yes, absolutely. All right. For obvious reasons, I mean, you know, and you touched on it previously, and and I did say we'd come back to it. Um, you know, much attention has obviously been given to the current situation that the world is confronted with. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we're not trying to dismiss it or play it down. I mean, it isn't. It, it it is a it is an actual uh, you know and a very serious uh, crisis um, you know of an unprecedented scale, and at the moment I mean you know business is you know it's not business as usual. It's in, in fact it's um, very far from it, right? So, but you know I I think it's also important to you know to focus on what's happening right now from a more constructive perspective because yes we are going through a pandemic, and and yes. You know, there are some real problems, you know, people losing their jobs, uh, cash flow, and so forth. But the pandemic will pass, and we will bounce back. Now, that being said, I think it's also imperative for us to, you know, have those conversations and prepare for what we are actually going to come back to, right? So, in your opinion, you know, seeing the current state of global affairs, what potential do you think there is for B2B marketers, entrepreneurs, or organizations at large to use this current time to reassess, to analyze, and to improve their CX? And how can we continue to innovate and find ways to deliver exceptional CX despite you know, some of the current constraints? So I said it earlier, um, I think it came up a few times, but it all starts with being authentic and mm-hmm. being sincere and focusing right. on the fundamentals of providing solutions, right? Whatever mm-hmm. we're selling, whatever value we have to offer, at the end of the day, we're providing solutions at a time where there are more problems right now than there have ever been. And so you, know, you need to focus on those fundamentals, but do it with emotional intelligence. And this is where... Mm. Uh, this is where so many organizations are missing the boat, right? If you reflect back to March when COVID first hit and all of our inboxes were flooded with emails from companies you didn't even realize you were on a list for saying, hey, Christian, you know, we really care about you. And all of this kind of, oh yes, <laughs> you know, totally non-emotionally intelligent language that, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward two months later and, and you know, we were on a call yesterday where someone referred to, um, you know, a, a local hardware store sending them an apology letter and it was just a blah, 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 was all they heard, right? Because yes. there was nothing that was personalized. There was nothing that was sincere or authentic that they connected with. Mm-hmm. People are frustrated right now. People are tired. Um, and in many, you know, in many, many ways, they're less patient than ever, right? Right. Like seven seconds on a website and someone's gone. Hmm. If it, you know, they want to, they want to digest your content and the wheel spinning, I don't even think they're going to wait seven seconds. So that's probably an old stat. You know, one minute on hold, waiting to get in touch with a, someone in a customer service group, and they'll just hang up. Hmm. There are billions of dollars of items sitting in virtual shopping carts right now across the world because the forums were too cumbersome and just pushed people to the edge. They're, forget it. I'm not going to buy this. Yeah. And they just leave, right? So communication is king right now. And the tone, the frequency, and the format of what we convey to each other matters more right now than any time in recent history. But at the same time, authenticity and relevance to the audience has never been more scrutinized. So to your point, 
you know, when you see so many organizations rolling out these kind of one size fits all messagings, they're just falling flat Mm. with collateral damage, right? And the organizations that are thriving in these new dynamics understand that they need to truly walk the talk and actually live their core values, right? Uh, With the utmost integrity. And, you know, health and safety, both physical and mental, are now critical priorities where they may have not been in the past, right? They always should have been, but they're finally, you know, at the forefront. And doing the right thing is no longer a catchphrase reserved for vision boards and has become table stakes for who customers and employees choose to align themselves with. And I think to your question, this is what not everyone realizes is customers and employees have a choice and everyone will be judged right now on what their actions were all throughout these last weeks. Couldn't agree with you more. I really could not agree with you more. And I think um, I'd like to uh, expand a little bit um, on, uh, you know, what you've been talking about these past couple of minutes, um, because it's incredibly interesting that we've seen, um, to your point, um, a lot of companies and a lot of brands, um, you know, both in the B2B and B2C uh, space, rising up to the occasion, um, pivoting their business, um, doing a great job of communicating internally and externally, you know, what they're currently doing to address the crisis and also what they're what they're going to do moving forward. Um, you know, so that being said, uh, I think it would also be uh, safe to assume that um, customers' expectations have now increased and that they're, that they're now actually expecting more from companies. 100%. Okay, great. So, um, you know, Lawrence, tell me, you know, in your professional opinion, what do you believe is the new normal that we will be returning to? I think the new normal in many ways uh, will be one where we all need to step up and do the right thing, right? In effect, everyone, um, you know, everyone, every company will need to make Jean Bliss proud. When, you know, she asks, would you do that to your mother, Hmm. right? Companies that look for backhanded ways to add revenue streams to their bottom lines through unbundling fees and unfair cancellation or refund policies, right? We've seen these all over the headlines. This is blowing up through social media. Um, You know, companies that are doing that kind of stuff right now, they'll win some battles right now. And they'll say, okay, well, you know, we we held on to certain percentages of, 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 of the top line but they're ultimately going to lose the war because, you know, I said it before, every organization will be judged and and they're continuing to be judged, right? This isn't over Mm. on how they're handling themselves during this crisis on what they prioritize during the crisis. And truthfully, those who treat their customers and employees with the respect they deserve with proper health and safety measures in place, they will thrive. And so honestly, if that's the new normal, bring it on. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, once again, to, uh, you know, the point that you've, um, you've been driving home, um, you know, for the duration of um, our, our discussion, uh, it's bringing, bringing the customer back to the center of everything, you know, um, to all the endeavors of an organization. Amen. Amen. Indeed. All right. Well, any, any other piece of advice or uh, thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with, uh, Lawrence? Um, you touched on it before, but I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. Find, find mentors. You know, volunteer in as many ways as you can. 
join local associations and network, network, network. Challenge yourself to look at your weaknesses and your most seemingly unattractive qualities and face them with compassion, but develop them into strength. Um, I'd say leverage data in ways that you never had before to benchmark against, to establish targets, and to understand your audience better. And be honest with what it tells you, right? Be strategic and be flexible because the need to course correct and evolve is going to be a constant. And, you know, to get personal, don't make excuses. We have all an absolutely outstanding talent to share with the world. Own it. And remember, you know, happiness is not from the absence of stress or anxiety, but from the satisfaction of rising up against it and finding opportunities in the chaos. So, you know, we're in a very chaotic time. There's going to be tons of opportunity. (laughs) If, you know, innovation comes out of chaos, you know, just think of the the level of creativity at the entrepreneurial level that's happening right now that we're going to see um, you know, we're going to look back on 2020, five, 10 years from now, and it's just going to be unbelievable what amazing ideas come out of this time. Uh, but we are all stuck at home. So, you know, stay active, listen to tons of music, meditate, uh, and most importantly, have fun. You know, connect with people like Christian. And <laughs> I guarantee you, you won't be sorry you did. <laughs> you're you're too kind, but thank you. But um. No, absolutely. Like, you know, finding inspiration, um, you, you know, where others only see, um, well, adversity. Um, and, and in fact, to your point, which was also brought up, um, you know, in several webinars that I've attended uh, recently, innovation and entrepreneurship thrives in times of adversity because people, and I'm not trying to say this from an opportunistic point of view, but they try to see the potential where others just see doom and gloom. So, uh, Lawrence, this has been a very thought-provoking session. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, so what's the best way for people out there to connect with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone wants to reach out via email, you can reach me at L Levinson, L-L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N, at Pulse, P-U-L-S-E, dot app as well. I'm, I'm happy to engage. And, you know, we touched on a lot of stuff today. So anything you're interested in, drop me a line and I will get back to you. Beautiful. Lawrence, thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Christian, and keep doing what you guys are doing. You're doing a great job. Thank you. So take care, be safe, and continue your good work and the good fight with CX. Same to you. All right. Be well. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.